for the week of May 26, 2019. This is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into all things Star Wars TV, as well as the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. This week, we are looking at Season 1, Episode 4 of The Clone Wars and Season 1, Episode 2 of Rebels. And to help me tackle all of this is John. John, how are you doing? Doing good. A uh, little tired. We're trying our hand at an early morning recording here for the first time, so hopefully uh, the coffee kicks in and we'll be able to blitz this. Well, I'm feeling jazz because <laughs> we got some extra stuff this week. So in the past uh, week or week and a half, we have received the Vanity Fair right. spread of some behind-the-scenes stuff of Episode 9. Mm-hmm. So, John, what sticks out to you the most about these uh, 16 or so pictures that we got? I suppose what sticks out to me is that there's very little in these pictures that feels familiar or feels like a retread. Um, you know, we're assuming we saw maybe Endor in the trailer. Uh-huh. And, of course, you know, we have the Millennium Falcon in the mix there too but otherwise we've got new planets we've got new scenarios there's some sort of fight taking place between kylo ren and ray on top of a ship that looks like it may be in water or in some other environment um that we don't often see in star wars so uh it just looks like jj abrams and company are really trying to mix things up and give us something visually new and uh hopefully a lot of fun It, it seems like there's a a good energy. Uh, you know, we, we've got a uh, Finn riding crazy space horses and, you know, so much more going on here that I think we're in for a treat, you know, like I'm, I'm intrigued. It, the, the article did its job in, uh, effectively teasing us with just enough to let us know that there's some like new elements in store in this next movie. Yeah, absolutely. I, the space horses stood out <laughs> yes. to me. I'm like, okay, we're getting some more space horses this episode. Um, See, and- Star Wars doesn't always do space horses very well. Um, <laughs> but if, if these pictures are what these pictures are, it looks like they've dressed up actual animals and then maybe they're, you know, CGing the heads or doing something to them. Um, so hopefully we don't get maybe that sort of weird CG jerky motion that you get mm-hmm. when you've kind of just got them on a, a green screen gimbal sort of rig to, to simulate an animal. If we get some something that really feels authentic and they kind of crack the space horse code (laughs) with this movie, I will be entirely thrilled because I've been waiting for star Wars or just special effects in general to really figure that one out. Yeah. And the, the battle that is going on between uh, Ray and Kylo Ren, whenever I saw this, I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's, that looks like the, uh, the quote unquote pieces of the death star that is out in the middle of the water that it could be. Um, be, But I mean, it looks like, they might be pursuing the same object if that's the case. I, I think mean. that's what, what it is. I think they're in a, <laughs> in a, uh, knuckle biting race to the MacGuffin that's inside the Death Star remains and, uh, how that ties into Palpatine, how that just ties into whatever, you know, the, the pursuit of the movie is, uh, that's yet to be seen, but I think you're right. I think that's probably what we're seeing is some sort of transport taking them out to the, the remains of the death star. Um, and if that's the case, that's, that's pretty creative, you know, fun way to stage a set piece. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that turns into. Yeah. Well, if, if people haven't seen these images, they are of course available, uh, on vanity fair. They're the ones that, that did it. Uh, there's some speculation of course about, you see Luke with R2, um, we know that at some point Luke is going to 
you know, show up. We don't know if he's going to be in right. his uh, physical form as he was in the picture. But of course, Vanity Fair just takes cool images. <laughs> and uh, that's what we got here. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited. This makes me more excited about it. Yeah, I got the sense from um, listening to the the anecdotes of the author of the Vanity Fair article that maybe they're branching out in terms of how they tell the story. Star Wars isn't really known for flashbacks. Right. Uh, it, it, it doesn't really typically employ that kind of a story structure, but I think to bring everything to a head, they might be embracing it a bit more on this one. And that might have more to do with how Palpatine works into it. We really don't know, but right. it does seem like that image of Luke and R2 harkens back to the destruction of the Jedi temple and mm -hmm. whatever went down with Kylo and the Knights of Ren at that point. So, um, we may be getting answers to that. And they also said that we're going to be getting more answers about how the first order rose out of the ashes of the empire. We've gotten some of that in the books, but some of that's going to be solidified on screen, which will hopefully help resolve a lot of the ambiguity that the previous right. movie sort of danced around with regards to kind of how the politics of the universe works at this point in, in star Wars timeline. Uh, so yeah, uh, a whole lot on the table here. And if, uh, Abrams can deftly maneuver all his pieces around, we really might be in for a treat. That's certainly my hope. Yeah, I mean, it's it's approaching very quick. It's going to be here yes. before we know it. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm just excited because in between this, by the time that we see episode nine, we, we would have already seen at least part of the Mandalorian. Right. And I mean, some of these other Star Wars television projects. Yeah, at, at least Mandalorian. Um, yeah. I don't think we have an exact timeline on the Cassian stuff yet. Uh, nope. but we should have more resistance too, right? By then I think, yeah, I, I believe that it's coming out the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've got lots to get through, but in this short lull before we ramp up into new star Wars fair, we have, uh, some rebels and some clone wars to dig into. Uh, you want to, you want to get us into it? Yeah. Let's get right okay. into this episode of the clone wars season one, episode four, destroy malevolence. <laughs> this episode was written by Tim Burns and directed by Brian O'Connell. And in this episode, Anakin and Obi-Wan attempt to board the malevolence and rescue Padme and C-3PO who have been taken hostage by general Grievous. So John, we see here that Grievous is starting to get a little anxious about uh, the Jedi and the Republic closing in on his secret weapon, the Malevolence. And Dooku says, hey, there's a senator that is about to cross your path. You should go ahead and just kidnap her <laughs> right. and see what the Jedi do. Yeah. Um, do you think that this suggestion came from Sidious or do you just think it's Dooku just... Uh, reading between the lines here. No, no. I think the way that he explained it was that he maneuvered things to basically, uh, give her a reason to be out in that portion of the galaxy. Like they, they basically led her astray so that she would encounter the malevolence mm -hmm. that that's yeah. the way I understood it. Um, so I think it was meant to be Dooku's like Trump card in the event that yeah. they did have to retreat. They would have something that would hopefully stop the Republic from trying to destroy it completely. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we'll just see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. And once again, Dooku's playing into the, uh, uh, the good nature of right. the Jedi and the Republic, like, okay, we're not going to destroy the malevolence right now because Padme Amidala is on there. Um, and then of course this, uh, this gets Anakin going. Right. And they board this huge ship. I mean, this thing is like, you get the idea that it's huge in the other episodes, but then you kind of, you get in there and you realize like this thing has a whole like 
railroad system yes, is. Exactly. It's on train station. Um, yeah, it's it's a big behemoth. And it's kind of cool how they frame the opening shot of the episode where it comes into frame sort of like the Star Destroyer does in episode four, where it basically takes over the whole screen as it passes over and you get like the broad view of the engines and just mm-hmm. you see it as a behemoth. And then you see all of the Republic um, Star Destroyers. Yep. And, and they're the, the smaller element on the screen. So, you know, it kind of paints the reverse picture of what we're used to seeing when, when we see a star destroyer, that's usually the all encompassing thing. But in this case, this dwarfs even those. So, um, yeah, it's meant to be a, an imposing force, but it's on its last legs and it, it really needs to change the game. If it's going to get away in time before, uh, you know, it's trying to get to hyperspace and, uh, it, it doesn't have long to figure it out. That's kind of the ticking clock that drives this episode. Yep. And then, of course, C-3PO gets lost again um, (laughs) or gets separated, not really lost. But it's just uh, I I just love these callbacks that they're doing into the prequel series of C-3PO kind of being a a little bit of a klutz getting separated. And his the the voice actor that does this for C-3PO is so amazing because it embodies what Anthony Daniels did. And just you get like the same. Uh, tone from C-3PO in the sense of like, oh boy, now right. I'm lost. I guess this is it. Like kind of almost like a, a uh, you know, a chippier Eeyore right. type of situation. <laughs> um, so I had fun with with that, of now, course. Uh, let's let's get to the bottom of one thing. Are we sure that Anthony Daniels isn't doing the role? Do we know who the voice actor is? Because Anthony Daniels has participated in a lot of uh, outside the movie voice acting for star Wars. So, uh, I wasn't entirely sure if it was him or not. Okay. Well, I will go <laughs> ahead and figure out right now. Okay. So, uh, it was, it was Anthony. Daniels. It was okay. So that's yep, why okay. he was able to do justice. To yes. the part. <laughs> Cause I was wondering about that. Cause <laughs> yeah. I know sometimes in the clone wars, they throw it in, um, like they had, um, uh, Ahmed best, they like come back right, right. and do, uh, um, Jar Jar a few times, but then another, other, instances there wasn't so i guess this was one of those to where they were like this is a big c-3po episode we need to get the man himself in here yeah anthony daniels likes to work um he's always game uh yeah so if you like the anthony daniels or not the anthony daniels stuff if you like the c-3po stuff in this episode um i think i'm going to go in the other direction and say that because it kind of harkened back to what I felt was maybe one of the weaker aspects of attack of the clones, you know, that whole mm. little side diversion where he's in the droid foundry and he's bumbling around on moving platforms and losing his head and all sorts of, you know, just dumb kind of kid oriented stuff. Um, seeing that kind of play out again here where, you know, he's just constantly in over his head and, uh, just being tossed around from platform to platform and, um, thrown off the train, you know, abruptly when R2 stops and all that kind of stuff, it feels very lightweight and, um, it, it, it's, it's obviously there for a measure of comic relief, but I always find that that kind of doesn't land for me just because that part of attack of the clones kind of soured me on the whole C3PO as like physical comedy. I think uh-huh. C-3PO is great when, um, you know, maybe he's stalling everyone else because of his ineptitude in the moment, you know, or, uh, he's just, uh, always overly concerned, you know, and he's kind of the consternation of mm-hmm. the hero. I like him when he's kind of in that sort of comic relief, but physical comic relief with C-3PO never lands with me. So <laughs> that was yeah. maybe a problem that I actually had with this episode. Gotcha. Yeah. So for me, uh, I think the best C-3PO moment is when, is in The Force Awakens when he goes, oh, Han Solo, it's me. You probably didn't recognize me because, you know, the red <laughs> right. arm. Um, 
but yeah so i i eat up the c3po okay. comedy stuff uh and but you know people know this about me i love the the crazy little droids sure you're you're not as cynical and jaded as i am i'm just yeah. a, a cranky old man sometimes <laughs> when it comes to this stuff um but there was still a lot in this episode to like yeah yeah, and one of the things that I thought this did really well was exploring the relationship between Dooku and Grievous because we never saw that in mm-hmm. um in episode three. Like right. we we get references like, oh, I've been trained to the Jedi arts by Dooku, but you don't actually see them interact. And in and in this episode particularly, you see them interacting more. Um, and then the next thing that I thought it did well was keeping Anakin from coming face to face with Grievous. Right. Cause you got to do that to maintain continuity with uh, episode three. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought that that was just because that's kind of complicated when you're exploring, you know, eight seasons with these, uh, with these people and it's just like, okay, well, how do we, you know, how do we engage <laughs> in what Grievous can do without Anakin coming into contact with him? Because we know that from, um, from yeah. revenge of the Sith. So I just thought, you know, that that's it's really neat how they did it because um, you know, a part part of it is just due to chance, you know, they're running towards each other and something, you know, blocks them. But <laughs> right. Yeah, they're dancing around one throwaway piece of dialogue that probably would have been smarter if uh, Lucas had said, Oh, we meet again, Anakin, yes. or something like that. Like that would have just freed <laughs> them up to do whatever they wanted with the yeah. series. But yeah, they're they're gonna be forever dancing around that throwaway right. line. Or or even just around like the you just have them talk whenever they're taken captive, you just say, Oh, Grievous, you. Yeah. And then Skywalker, you. <laughs> right. Or just don't <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's nice that uh that Filoni and company are aware of that, sure. you know, 10 second dialogue and then um, are doing a good job <laughs> avoiding it. Right. Yeah. So what do you think this episode does? Well, um, not a whole lot <laughs> to be perfectly honest. This seems like the calm before the storm episode. Like this is just basically the denouement on the previous arc of right. the malevolence, right? Like the only stakes in this really are between Anakin and Padme when it comes right down to it, um, which isn't the most interesting stuff for me. It has it, its fair share of action and whiz bang stuff. I wasn't hot on the C-3PO stuff as I already mentioned, but the, you know, the space stuff always works. It's always fun. The, the show has a great visual style that way, but there's not a whole lot here that's setting the table for what's to come like this. This really is kind of a standalone in a lot of ways. Right. And that's the one thing that I think the earlier episodes of the clone wars, um, did that sort of limits itself is in the next few seasons, they begin to realize we can have storylines linger and, um, we can draw them out over many episodes and, and we can really just get creative in the structure of how we unfold an episode. Whereas this is a little bit more mundane and a little bit more just standard fare which right. to me isn't as exciting. We get into a couple episodes after this that begin to set the table for the next arc. And uh, I, I found them a lot more engaging than this, if I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I have to agree with that. The, the railroad kind of threw me <laughs> off. Right. Um, I was just like, Whoa, like it's in my, in my head, I'm like putting together how big this ship is. I'm like, is it really necessary to have New York subway station in here? But I mean, <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, what is fun and I had a lot of fun with what's that? as, as usual rebels. Yeah. See, I, I'm, I'm loving comparing these shows basically at the same stage in their uh, development or in their execution, I guess I should say, because you see just how much more sure footed rebels is than clone wars at this point. Like rebels, it really knows where it wants to go. And it's, it's just 
driving forward, I think at a, a, a bit more frenetic pace than even Clone Wars, which is at the height of a war. So you'd think that it'd be wall to wall action, but uh, Clone Wars is taking its time a bit more and you're not getting quite as much from the characters as you do with Rebels. So Rebels is really what's exciting me this week. Yeah. And in this episode, Star Wars Rebels season one, episode two, Droids in Distress. This was written by Greg Wiseman and directed by Stuart Lee. Mm -hmm. And the crew of the Ghost accept a job that involves them redistributing weapons from the Empire, which brings them into contact with uh, two uh, familiar droids. Right. And as we know from a couple minutes ago, I love droids, so I enjoyed this episode. <laughs> and this is better use of 3PO and, and R2, in my opinion. When you, when you compare the two, mm -hmm. you know, we've got something very slapsticky and physical in Clone Wars, but we've got something that actually has a purpose with regard to the plot, right? right. They need to be diverted to be able to create the subterfuge that gets them to the, the weapons. And then 3PO, in his, in his infinite wisdom, actually sells them all out. Um, mm -hmm. And we've got R2 that really is doing reconnaissance that is now turning the burgeoning rebellion on to what this ragtag team is up to so we've got a whole lot of things emerging and the droids are all pivotal to that and i think that that was just really deftly handled that's why i really like this episode is because this is putting all your characters to great use and uh just helping you to invest more in the story and i was getting a lot more of that from this than i was from clone wars well and it's just this episode is so witty and <laughs> shows yes. uh just the ability of the ghost to infiltrate like that like whenever you have ezra come on and uh, and of course he's uh he's having a, a situation with his droid uh and and it turns into this whole thing where um uh, where kanan is like hey can we fix whatever this droid is doing and send him to the back of the bus so to speak and then that turns into a thing where 3po and r2 have to go to the back of the bus which then leads to um a, even bigger issue for the empire where uh you have sabine translating for the empire here yeah so we have sort of a, a cleverly plotted little heist here that for the most part you know uh goes as expected and until you know the end where all of the ghost crew's plans tend to fall apart and they have to improvise a little bit so yeah this this was fun and, and a creative way to kind of get our, our characters into another little mini adventure. It wasn't super high stakes, but what it does do is help us to uh, sympathize more with some of our characters because we're learning about some of the tragedy in their past and we're building camaraderie. So there's a lot of development going on in the midst of this silly little heist. You know, these weapons are actually, uh, you know, far more important and have uh, far more history with our characters than you initially realize. So there's just, yeah, a lot of good stuff to digest here. And I, I was surprisingly engaged with this one. I, th I think that's my bottom line. I think it just does a lot to help, um, kick off what we're going to see as the next arc of the story where the, the characters all need to start coming together and learning how to work together and grow together and, you know, uh, uh, face, uh, higher stakes foes, <laughs> you know, down the road. So this was good. Yeah, and I like the uh, when they get to the wrong platform, three mm -hmm. um, PO makes the comment of, "Oh, very easily mistranslated seven to 17. Right. and it's like one of those things where it's just the thinking like that. I don't know if that was necessarily Sabine thinking on her toes and uh, and translating that way or what it was, but it was it was creative. Well, it, yeah, they they do subtly explain that because she translates tells them to go to 17. And then as an aside, she whispers 
the Ezra seven, right? Like yep. so that he can start going through the ductwork to get there ahead of them. So th- that was a very intentional maneuver. Three PO being as silly as he is, has no idea what's going on around him, you know, like why they're at yep. 17 and he's willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but obviously the, um, Imperial, whatever she was politician, uh, not, not quite as ready to assume the best <laughs> of the situation. She gets wise to it and that's where everything starts falling apart. And, uh, yeah, fun ensues. Yeah, and I like that the three PO and R two have kind of been the connection in the in the different time spans through canon. Like we see them just kind of hanging out in Rogue One, um, right. and then here they're they're kind of in the situation where they they cross paths, and it makes it believable. Like whenever you think about the size of the galaxy, and um, you know it's very unlikely that these two parties cross paths, but they may they turn it into something that's like okay, this this is understandable as to why they would. It, it makes sense because these weapons are kind of a inflection point. This is where you're going to have a situation that's going to um, garner the interest of the burgeoning rebellion and garner the interest of these, uh, you know, ragtag thieves, right there. There's a reason for all of them to be in this situation together because R2 is doing his undercover reconnaissance as well and trying to sabotage the situation. So yeah, everybody's got a reason to be there and, and that is surprisingly organic. Star Wars often relies on the large galaxy full of coincidences to bring people together. Um, so this is nice because, uh, it didn't cause me to suspend my disbelief, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like it didn't pull me out of it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was surprisingly impressed with the writing on this episode. Yeah. And even the writing to the point where uh, it adds like in the middle of this episode, it adds to a story of a character that, that normally wouldn't make sense to pause and break and be like, okay, here's an origin story for this character. But it's like, oh yeah, Zeb is acting like this because Mm -hmm. the empire used those weapons on his home world, Um, which kind of, it adds uh, another layer to that character. And then also, gives us somewhat of a story as to how he's in the place he is today. Exactly. Um, and, and that's, that's creative writing and it's, and it's writing that, you know, you don't normally have to do for what <laughs> most people may see as a quote unquote kids show. Yeah. And exactly. so it's just showing like that. This is a very, uh, that Filoni and company are acknowledging. This is a very diverse, uh, fandom that's going to be watching this, um, diverse in every aspect, uh, which is just cool. Cause you see, those things thrown in there where there is some active thinking on the part of, of the, the writing team here, which mm-hmm. is just so cool. Um, it makes me enjoy it even more. Yeah. When I was originally watching rebels, I don't think I appreciated just how adeptly they were handling the the storyline and just the production in general. It, it, it seems so much more visually stunning and just, just mm-hmm. so much better on rewatch. You, you get a chance to absorb the little details, the little, uh, beautiful things that they, they throw in just to make it a cut above. Um, it really, right. it really does feel like a labor of love in a lot of ways. And, uh, certainly having a lot more fun with these rewatches than I expected. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else to wrap up your thoughts on rebels? No, uh, I think that covers this guy. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we got a lot more of this, these series to, to go through. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we can leave it at that. Yeah. Well, next week. I hope that our listeners join us again for this rewatch because we got some exciting stuff coming along in both these shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both series are ramping up into their next arcs and it's going to get good. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, John. You're very welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. 
think that people are going to die? Please, leave us a review on iTunes. For every 10, we give away some awesome Star Wars merchandise. And you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars TV Talk. You can also check out our website, www.StarWarsTVTalk.com. And a special thanks to Laid Wogan for this intro and outro music. You can follow him on SoundCloud.com slash Laid Wogan. Thanks for listening. And remember, the Force will be with you. Always.